Welcome to another edition of AML Conversations by AML RightSource. On January 31st, 2018, AML RightSource sponsored the first commercial banking conference at Marquette University, hosted by Marquette's newly formed commercial banking program. This event discussed the intersection of fintech and community banking. John Byrne, AML RightSource Vice Chairman and Board Member, sat down with the keynote speaker, John Wapsch, immediately following the program and got John's take on a number of issues relevant to our industry. John is the Chief Innovation Officer at Casasa and the author of a very compelling book from 2017, Bankruption, How Community Banking Can Survive Fintech. John Byrne sat down with John to discuss a number of things, including what might be coming up in terms of risk potential in the fintech and community bank space. Sit back and enjoy AML Conversations. So, John, um, we're here at Marquette University. You were kind enough to keynote a conference this morning uh, that covered a very interesting aspect of financial technology from my perspective, and that is how it relates to community banks. My, my sort of uh, frame of reference for fintech is the AML risk space. I've always felt that the banking folks, and not just banking, securities, insurance, all those that have AML responsibilities, need to, quote, a step, need to sort of step out of their lane and understand what's going on around them in the market. And so that's why your uh, presentation really resonated with me today, because I don't have a strong feel for fintech versus banks, fintech with banks, and I think you did a really good job of encapsulating that. And um, we'll tell the folks at the end of this how to get a copy of, uh, of the book that you talked about today, uh, Bankruption. But let's start with this. Let's start really simply. Give the folks your definition in 2018 of fintech. Sure. Thank you so much, and thanks for the kind words. Um, Let's start really simply with the most complex question. I love it. Uh, (laughs) Fintech, it's not my definition. I'll I'll choose the fintech popular definition of fintech uh, today is those companies that have come around in the last five or ten years who um, are primarily technology and data-first oriented companies that um, um, that oftentimes are built to drive a wedge, perhaps, between um, a bank or credit union and their prospective account holder or existing account holder. And, and so that's the media-defined term of fintech. The funny part, though, is... You know, fintech's been around since the MICR number was created by sure. the ABA, right? I mean, the reason why that thing was created to be to begin with was to help make sense of all the checks and help process this stuff faster. And what were you going to process it with? Well, let's use big machines, uh, which you know, IBM and everybody kind of came into that. So financial technology and its partnership with banks is nothing new. Um, it's certainly been talked about lately as something quite new and something quite exciting. And it, it really is when you relegate it maybe to some of these newer technologies and uh, newer ideas. The funny part, though, is you take the pre-existing financial technology landscape prior to 2008, who existed? Well, you're talking about Jack Henry, FIS, you know, Casasa would be one of those. Uh, uh, 
Fiserv. You know, the, the list kind of goes on. We can all we can all think about those as they are. They operate our core. They operate some of our infrastructure. They they've adapted as much to the quote unquote fintech landscape, or even more so than. Um, then perhaps they get the credit for. Uh, but so fintech today is, in my opinion, it's an enabler or a competitor of banking of banks and bank solutions. So, um, and I think and you're so right about the media, the way it addresses it. Using the term disruption in and of itself, you know, as a lawyer, sort of to me, words matter. Disruption's not a positive. It can be clearly seen as a positive when you talk through this as a, as a word by itself. But obviously in context, clearly can be. And that's where I think, to your point, someone will see a headline, talk about disruption, talk about fintech versus the banks, mm-hmm. versus what we talked about today, which is working together and partnering. So I think that's, that's sort of part of um, why the view has been the way it's been. And I think if a lot of people could hear what you talked about, and perhaps read what you wrote about that it's much more it's much more both compelling and, and complicated than that. Yeah, thank you. You know, it, so so disruption, I, I, whatever. You know, that, that's one of these terms that d- just irritates people right now because it's like, man, how many times yeah, synergy? Uh, right. How many times we use this thing? And you know, and is it? But but the reality is, all it fundamentally means is change. And uh, you know, when you think about commercial banking. Um, or even read, uh, you know, you, how much, uh, it was funny, I was talking to a, uh, a banker the other day, and um, I had given, uh, I was giving a talk, and he came up to me, and he said, you know, um, it's so, it's funny how many people at my bank, this is the banker talking, uh, uh, are really scared of this change of fintech, and this new wave, and, and, you know, I finally had to tell my board, that we're a 150-year-old bank. We've seen more disruption (laughs) you know, in banking amongst what consumers want in technology than just what's happening today. And so we should be, as a 150-year-old bank, we should be the most acclimated to change. And I I thought it was a really exciting perspective um, uh, for uh, for anybody to have, but especially a a bank that's, that's been around for so long and and, um, you know, his whole point was, you know, at each, you know, all we've done our, since, since we started is follow what the customer wants. Right. Follow what the, what the human that we want to bank with, what do they want? What is the thing that's driving their need and, and you know, how can we give it to them? So we've always changed to meet that need. And I just, I, I love the simplicity of the understanding. It, it just, uh, it, was a, it was a nice way to put it. You know, th- that reminds me, I, I took notes during your presentation, and one of the things that struck me is you sort of walk through, uh, I want to say, maybe, maybe the different uh, elements of both fintech and, for, for your example, community bank. And I just want to focus on a couple things, and that is, the community itself. So, by definition, and I think the panel that followed that you were also part of, uh, of community bankers, did talk about how they're grassroots, they know their people, and then there sort of was people that, I won't say disagreed, but say, yeah, that might be true, but my bank is four states over, and I still feel pretty connected to them. But the difference between fintech community, if you can even call it that, and the bank community is pretty dramatic, right? So, there may be other things that make 
fintech a benefit, but that's not one of them, right? So you're not going to, and you tell me, are you typically going to have the same customer uh, intentionally dealing with the same fintech tool or company? Now, they might because the banks use it, but the prob- I'm, I'm asking you, I'm guessing they're probably not seeking them out, whereas the bank, they may seek out for a variety of reasons. This is the bank they've been to. This is who they know. You, you tell me. I don't know. I, I, think that, I think that line is blurred mm-hmm. nine ways to Sunday. You know, uh, um, I, I, I appreciate a perspective that community banking is grassroots and physical only. I can appreciate where that's come from. Um, I can also appreciate the fact that in order to be whether you're in banking, the industry, you're in retail, it doesn't matter. In order to be serving humans today, you have to recognize that humans make decisions for their reasons. They buy for their reasons, right? Remember that quote? Humans buy, yeah, they buy for their reasons, not yours. And I think that's never been more true than it is today. And so, you know, so that's the reason why you see people. Um, you know, maybe they're not necessarily uh, "quote unquote" banking with Venmo, but they're they're doing some real money movement through sure. Venmo. They're doing real money movement now through um, you know, depending upon the, the um, uh, depending upon the age of the customer or the or who right. the customer is, they might be doing money movement through Zelle, but. Um, and and they might be keeping their money with a traditional bank, maybe a community bank. It, the it's so blurred right now. I mean, you it I what what we find in um, in our data at Casasa, we do a lot of research. Yeah, tell us a little bit about your company as you're yeah. doing that. Yeah. So the the, the company is uh, a, formerly known as Bankview. Um, we work with about. 800 community banks and credit unions around the United States. We only work with uh, community institutions. And we started first with, uh, with deposit accounts and making really interesting deposit accounts that would, real, that would benefit consumers in amazing ways mm-hmm. and also benefit the institution that they were attached to um, uh, from a profitability perspective, from a retention perspective. I mean, uh, uh, the accounts are uh, incredible. Um, uh, that being said, and, and these days now we have loans that we've recently introduced. Um, but but as a result of creating products specifically for consumers, that's what we do. Um, we have to do a lot of research. Right. We have to understand who, what would actually, if I were banking with Bank of America today, or I'm banking with Choose Your FinTech Company, that's Avaro, whatever. Um, uh, what is going to compel me to move from that relationship to this community banking relationship? What, like, what is it? And so, you know, you, you start fundamentally every year with uh, kind of a check of, do these consumers still care about community banking? Do they actually care that this bank is down the street? Or would they say, you know what, I'll bank with a credit union four states over, or I don't even want to know who they are. Um, and and it's you know even as recently as as last year's study, the you know the vast majority of uh, consumers, all age groups across cross section of um, uh, counties types and everything, uh, still want to bank locally. They still want that. Now, is that window closing? Perhaps. Um, 
which is why you need to serve them the way that they want to be served. You need to, you know, appeal to them with the products that matter to those consumers. And then fundamentally, I don't, I don't think it'll matter that you're, you know, it may be five years, it may be one year, it may be 20 years. At some point here, it's not going to matter where your bank is. That's, that's interesting. And you, your book does really sort of trumpet the value of community banking if they sort of stay engaged and, and progress. You can't just sit back and expect people to walk to proverbially walk in your doors, right? So you That's have, exactly right. Yeah. I mean, you know, those people, you know, you, you've got a, you've, you're an incumbent for the reason, which is wonderful. You know, you've got, you have some, you have some share of business uh, that's there. At some point, they're either going to stop leaving or dying. I mean, you know, it's it's not uncommon where I talk to um, bankers, uh, you know, the, um, where they are in a. Uh, dissolving population, right? right? Where they're not necessarily in growth areas. And so when they are tasked by their board, or rather maybe they, they told their boards, hey, we need to find a model that works for the growth of our institution, for the future of our institution, since the community as we know it, the physical community is dissolving around us. And we need to make a new a new path for ourselves. That's exciting. It, it is. Um Sort of, sort of weaving back to the financial crime prevention uh, yeah. AML risk space. What I wrote down some notes, uh, as I mentioned, and one of the questions I wanted to ask you, um, you know, what we've seen in the AML community is some folks in the fintech community have come to us, meeting whether it's the organizations we're involved in or that they know we're we're part of this, and say, what do I need to know? What does my company need to know? What does my firm need to be doing in terms of Compliance. We, you know, we don't, we don't have anybody that that knows this space. What do the regulators expect? That sort of question. So it constantly comes up, and we, you could say the big fin, what I would consider the big firms like PayPal, uh, Google, uh, Facebook. They do have people that oh, yeah. do AML. No question yes, about it, right? Absolutely. In fact, uh, the ACAMS board that I still serve on, they're the chief compliance officer from Facebook is on that board for that very reason. So uh, they get it. Community banks are in a unique area of concern in AML from this perspective. What's starting to happen is a lot of the big banks may be exiting a relationship with a certain class of customer or entity for fear of risk. Either they can't manage the risk or the regulators won't accept it. So what then happens? So a Bank of America, just using an example, will exit a relationship or maybe not onboard it. And that person will go to, you know, bank on the Main Street Bank. That mainstream bank wants the business, but recognizes that they have some AML people, and I'm sure they're good, but they don't have enough, quote, resources to deal with it. So regulators have said, be careful. So there's a concern there. Um, so there's a separate concern for, so um, two-part question. So from a community bank standpoint, we heard it today. One of the panelists said, basically, I'm paraphrasing, I'm struggling because that's a challenge for me. I don't have enough resources. You compound that with, potentially taking on more elaborate risks that perhaps you're not equipped for. You're not a banker, but you've talked to a lot of community banks. What would you both recommend, and, and is that something that's come up in any of your research or reviews? For sure, yeah. So, you know, reg, reg tech and, um, um, that, you know, certainly spans a lot of different areas, and, you know, there's uh, segments of that, but there's risk-oriented technologies. There's technologies that are built around using data, more <clears throat> using data, using 
machine learning to actually make better decisions than humans can, right? Um, you know, it's a very fundamental point that um, connected machines that are trained um, can ultimately make much better decisions. We're seeing it with augmented vehicles. We're seeing it, you know, uh, around uh, all this Internet of Things. Make much better decisions, can do things better, faster, cheaper, easier than humans. Sure. Not to say they're completely... Uh, you know, they, they do have faults, but over time, that's uh, certainly what's going to happen. And so when you look at this space, what you see is, um, you know, guys like Suresh uh, from uh, CBW Bank. CBW Bank, uh, Suresh started, you know, bought this bank uh, and is the bank behind uh, certain fintech companies like MoveIn and mm -hmm. other guys. But also Suresh has this kind of offshoot fintech company that's related to the bank called Yantra. Mm -hmm. And Yantra, uh, he, has, he has incredible uh, understanding for AML, because technology built by a banker, uh, who before that worked for Google, um, for, so a, a banker technologist, um, who, who absolutely understands, spent a lot of time in the risk space, um, understands what he needs to make sure he's doing properly, from uh, and what his bank needs to do as they move into areas of money movement, uh, accepting new accounts, mm -hmm. all these all these things that he need, he knows he needs to grow into as a bank. He built a fintech company to serve other banks to do that exact same stuff. So so you're seeing you know not just people in a garage who would know nothing about banking, who know nothing about, you know, AML or money laundering, whatever the issue is, right? It, 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 creating technologies that are um, profoundly capable and, um, and allow institutions to very cheaply understand what customers they have and who they're bringing on. You think affordable for many community banks? Obviously, a community bank could be a hundred million yeah. to under a billion. So I get, I get. If you talk to any community bank, yeah. they'll tell you they can't afford anything. Yeah, sure. Right? <laughs> I mean, I, I got, I got blasted by this the other day. The other yeah. day, we had a webinar, and uh, and um, I, I had actually seen who answered, who asked the question about, you know, hey, you know, that sounds too expensive, and I called her out in front of everybody. I'm like, your bank is, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can afford it. But, I mean, the reality is we all have budgets, right? Yeah, we gotcha. all have budgets. Right. Our budget never goes as far as it should. Um, but when we're talking about understanding our account holder, understanding who we're lending money to, I think most bankers would agree that that's, that's a very important topic, just like data security. And, you know, there's certain aspects that are just, we've got to get this thing right. Can you leverage that tool for other things? So you can use that tool for detecting potential suspicious activity, you know, so, so, so modeling the data and giving it to somebody within the bank who then says, yeah, put it to the next level to, to review. Can you use that same sort of tool in some way for marketing and other other things, or, or you know, there's there's a lot of regulations yeah. around certain aspects, mm -hmm. and so you know that um, uh, and that's another tech for sure. you, Martech, right? So Martech is a is a whole other kind of world, and, and what certainly is Martech marketing that, technology. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, and, right. and 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 you know that gets into fun acronyms like DAMS and all okay. sorts all right. of. Uh, no, uh, I, I get so, your point about. But, I know about the privacy. Yeah, yeah, and, and so, yeah, so, that. and so that's oftentimes part of the part of the challenge. But but you know they work in conjunction, right? And and yeah, you know, this is the so 
if we take a, a step totally back and we say, you know, I'm, I'm a community banker, maybe I'm on the risk side, and I'm listening to this, what are the, the steps to getting to um, really aggressive um, uh, technologies that, that help me make very, very smart decisions? Right. Uh, the first step is data cleansing. Um, you know, understanding your data. It's mapping your data appropriately, going through all of the vendors you may have, kind of ensuring that it's housed in a, an EDW, an enterprise data warehouse, so that it can actually make its way to a vendor for processing or make its way um, back to your analytics systems, your BI tools, whatever it is. Um, you've got to do that first. And so many bankers, I think, know inherently that they sit on a, on a big chunk of data. They know that there's value there. But the value is zero or even negative. The, it, the value can be a negative return if you're not making sense of your data, if right. you're not starting there first, cleaning it up and then augmenting it. So very, very important part of this. And so what we heard today from the community bank reps is they're, as you confirm their data they feel is pretty dirty to begin with so that really needs to happen first before you buy a tool that's going to help you with something you need whether it's a compliance responsibility or marketing absolutely you know that, i mean it, i think you know it's a um, it's often an overlooked step because it's it can be it can feel expensive initially it can feel um, heavy and you know uh, time intensive but until you're doing that you you don't really know who you're banking. So um, urge all folks, and we will talk about this at the end of the um, at the end of the interview. That John's book on bankruption, on how community banks banking can survive fintech, has a lot of good information and directions and recommendations. And I just obviously just got the book, and I will obviously you know go through it. But I, I pulled a uh, a chart toward the end of the book about current bank priorities from a study in 2015. I'm sure it hasn't changed all that much. But increasing profitability was 79%. Second was ensuring regulatory compliance at 78%. Yes. So obviously for the community bank, if they're going to consider these tools, they have to do the first steps first. Clean the data, then pick the tools. Um, the, uh, the, the notion that you can simply absorb these other accounts isn't going to happen without the work. That's only one reg priority. I know there's a bunch of others. There's fair yes, lending, there's CRA, all sorts of things. But in, in the BSA world, it's um, it's pretty important. If you make a mistake there, forget about just the enforcement actions. The reputational hit it can be extremely damaging. Um, two things before I let you go. One is going back to the fintech world. The other note that I made was um, just because fintech doesn't have clients and customers per se like banks, I know they do, but um, when fintech companies on their own are asking for information for the user. You know, in banking, as you know, there's account opening procedures. There's what they call CIP. There's going to be in May customer due diligence. You're going to have to identify the beneficial owners of accounts. So bank customers or financial institution customers are going to have to ask for much more information or continue to ask for more information for preventive reasons, right, to detect human trafficking, elder abuse, money laundering. Uh, so customers are sort of uh, wired to respond to banks that way. They may complain, but they sort of know that. 
What is it like in the fintech world? Because fintech has to capture some of the same information, maybe a lot of the same information. Do you have any, research maybe is the wrong word, but any anecdotal or other thoughts regarding are customers treating fintech dissemination of information or are asking for information different than banking? Is that going to present a gap in AML, if you will, on the fintech side? Because customers that are with fintech are going to say, I'm, I'm not giving them X, Y, and Z. Right. Is right. that going to even be an issue or... Because think, they want it, know, they want the product. They're going to get the product. They're going to do gonna whatever it takes. They're going to do, you know. I mean, you create you create compelling user experience. You create a compelling product. Um, consumers hopefully will be treated transparently as far as what's going to happen with your data. What are we doing with it? Uh, but you know, the the collection of the data that most fintech companies have today is quite a bit deeper than what banks are doing. In fact, just one anecdote just struck me. Yeah. We had a group of fintech people kind of in a round table, mm-hmm. and I can't remember, it was PayPal, it was Airbnb, it was Google, and one of the people at the table said, you would be shocked to know what we have about you. Yeah, the flip side of it, which is, uh, I, I, had a, I had a banker tell me um, not too long ago, if... We, if, if uh, how did he say it now? If uh, our, if the people we lent money to, if the businesses we lent money to knew as little about their customers as we know about ours, wow. we wouldn't give them a cent. Wow. And, and unfortunately, I have to believe that's very true right. across a lot of community institutions. Um, Fortunately, I think it's going to change. Uh, it has to change, but that's where that's where community banking sits. Um, maybe not. You know, there's you know certainly one lens that people might be looking through is, is risk and, and compliance. But uh, but to your point that perhaps people at that table were making, there's the other side of you know um, what's 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 the feedback? What's the sensorial feedback from the sensors on the phone on the device that my customer is using? Where are they? What altitude are they at? Uh, you know, there's so much data there that's being stripped from your digital banking system, or from your, or just from the fact that you're not necessarily getting that data input that these fintech companies have. And you might go, well, what the heck does it matter how how tall they are, or how high they are, or any of that other stuff? Believe me. Uh, 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 people are making sense of data in the most obscure ways and using it for predictive analytics, using it for interesting decision tools, usually for identity verification, obviously, and is this person really where they say they are? All those, you know, types of, um, uh, um, you know, uh, use cases, that's just, that's, that's just the tip of the iceberg on understanding your customer. And, uh, um, and, and so, yes, to get back to the whole disruption point, this is super exciting, right? Because it is the rebirth of community banks, um, you know, and credit unions. Let's let's take the uh, let's take this opportunity to reestablish who we are. We are the incumbents. We should be winning. We should win when we come out of this. Yeah, it's I, ours to lose. I, I'm going to let you go on on this and ask you one one more question. But what I what I continue to fight for in in my career is both. The technical or legal, maybe is the proper word, uh, uh, push that the compliance voice needs to be at the table, mm-hmm. and also sort of the 
uh, environmental comment of the same thing, meaning this. I've been around long enough to know that compliance in the old days, maybe still to some degree today, cost center, it costs us money, your your doctor know, you tell us what we can't do, so therefore, hey, it's Friday, we're coming out with a new product on Monday. You're like, whoa, wait a second, we got this, 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 and this. So banks that do that have a pretty poor culture of of compliance, as they say. But then the compliance people have to be well-read, they have to understand the market. They have to be willing to say, how can we make this a yes versus a no? So there's something on sort of my community to do that. So I'm, I'm hoping with um, talking to you today about things that aren't directly related to their space, but to better appreciate both that what you've just said. Community banks going to become more and more vibrant, given what you talk about. Fintech, many fintech groups do get it do recognize there's an obligation outside of just producing revenue and, and products. If you're, if you're talking to, again, our audience, what one or two recommendations would you have for them to both stay current and to be relevant as these institutions grow and hopefully become more efficient? Yeah. Um, well, thank you for that. First of all, your question, how can we, is such an impactful Statement. Um, you know, I, when, I, when I talk to institutions that are really doing an amazing job culturally and technically, they always come with that with that point. How can we make this happen? Sure, maybe maybe the way that we're thinking about this isn't necessarily right, but um, but giving that sort of uh, power to the compliance team to who you know to, to say help us think about solutions for how we can brilliant. Um, uh, quite frankly, really simple. There's five kind of, maybe five powerhouse uh, ways to learn about fintech and get excited about the future. One that I just, uh, I, I, uh, financial brand has a um, powerful site. They've got a great email. Subscribe to it. Uh, financialbrand.com. There's bankinnovation.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Bank Innovation is um, uh, is also has a conference. They, these both have conferences too, and their conferences are phenomenal. Um, obviously, if you're on Twitter, follow. Uh, uh, oh, Digital Banking Report is another great great example of, of something to stay current. Um, if you're on Twitter, follow the people I follow on Twitter. Um, we'll hopefully put up my little Twitter thing on there, and you can do that. There, and, and just by st- watching Twitter and watching the stream of reports that come through, you'll you know you'll start to get engrossed. There's there's so much information and so much content, but the free content that is out there. It's you know uh, now you, you, digital banking report costs not very much money, and the reports are super deep. They're super helpful. They go through you know very unbiased sort of approach. So really really appreciate that. I love following podcasts. So obviously this one's a great one. Um, FinTech Five. Is is one. It's a, a five minute podcast. Um, different people around fintech. Uh, there's uh, uh, there's there's several of them out there. Breaking Banks is another example right, from right. Brett King. Right. Um, so you know, in the space of podcasts here, you can download all different ones. There's, you know, each one of these things are ways to kind of start getting your brain engrossed and then actually venturing to. Uh, Money 2020, which is a phenomenal right. conference. Venturing to Financial Brand Conference, uh, Finnovate is another great conference, and I'm sure I'll see you there. Uh, 
you know, these are conferences that allow the people at your institution get out, understand that the world has changed, explore a little bit, soak this stuff in, and get inspired. Uh, John Wapsch, thanks so much for your time. Uh, appreciate what you've done today at, at Marquette, but also le- leading the charge to for all of us to pay attention to the community bank world vis-a-vis fintech, and um, we'll definitely take to heart your uh, your recommendations, and we'll put them up on our site. So thanks so much for coming today. Thank you. So there you go. As you can tell, a very passionate defender of community banking, but also of the environment that we're in today. And I think he's got some really good recommendations for all of us. Uh, the author, again, John Wapish. John wrote the book Bankruption, How Community Banking Can Survive Fintech by Wiley Publishing. Also, you can follow John uh, on Twitter at at W-A-U-P-S-H. Also, his website is WAUPSH.com. Again, a very interesting individual, and I, th- I continue to believe that those of us in AML need to get out of our lanes, as it were, out of our silos, and understand what's going on in the, in the general financial environment. Of course, we need to know what's going on in all sorts of areas outside our space, but paying attention to technology, uh, competition, the overall con- concerns everybody has with disruption, a term that, frankly, I'm not that crazy about, uh, is something that we all need to be paying attention to. So I would urge you to take a look at uh, uh, some of the writings that John has. He's a great speaker, great presenter. Follow him on Twitter. Again, the book, Bankruption, How Community Banking Can Survive Fintech. This is John Byrne, and we will see you again next time. A lot going on in 2018, and AML Right Source is right there in the thick of things. You should understand that we are hiring, so go to our website for more information. Also, we have blogs, white papers, and other information that is essential to keep AML professionals up to date on current news. In future episodes of AML Conversations, we plan to talk to government and private sector experts in the AML, financial crimes, and terrorist financing space. We are interested in hearing from you, so please send any of your thoughts, comments, or individuals you would like to hear us talk to to info at AMLRightSource.com. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next time.